Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to step inside the Iktagon with your host, Ike Feldman. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, your brother in arms, Ike freaking Feldman. Hope you guys are doing well. Post UFC 287 recap leading into UFC KC. Also talking about many topics in the fight world with none other than just an absolute person who's worn many hats inside of the combat sports world. Fighter, analyst, radio host, podcaster. Dean Thomas, at Dean Thomas on Instagram and Twitter. Dean does so much for my favorite sport. And I'm more appreciative of what he does with his mouth than what he's done with his hands. Dean is a spokesperson, carries himself extremely well, sees the sport from a beautiful lens, and expresses himself beautifully on the mic and just carries that absolute deep swagger. You know, it it doesn't seem forced with Dean. And I get into that with him about how his personality just transferred from fighting to speaking on a mic. And Dean talks about that and much more on this episode of the Eichtegan. Again, so grateful to get the great and powerful at Dean Thomas. Enjoy the interview. Did you hydrate? Good. Get ready for another round inside the Octagon. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, brother in arms, fight fan of all fight fans, Ike Feldman. This episode, we're being joined by none other, in my opinion, I just, it, no offense to DC, no offense to Laura Sanko, no offense to Long Island's own Chris Weidman. I, I trained under the roof of Chris Weidman, Jim, and no offense to any of you guys, but our next guest, Dean freaking Thomas. Yes, that is middle name. I don't know. It's, it's on the birth certificate. Dean freaking Thomas, man, uh, he can just talk radio, talk a three-hour podcast with Rogan. We're not going to do three hours, but um, Dean, I really appreciate your time. How's it going in KC, my man? It's going good, man. I I was surprised about how nice the weather is here. I did not expect that, but since the weather is nice, I don't mind being in KC. I mean, KC is probably not my favorite destination for vacation, but this is business and the weather's nice and I couldn't be more happier about it. Can't be picky, man. We were just in Miami for UFC 287. Uh, I I did not get uh, rice and beans. I have a good local community where I can get that. Uh, that's what is Miami is known for. What Casey is known for is the barbecue. Have you, at Dean Thomas on Instagram and Twitter, tried the Kansas City barbecue? I have not this time around yet. I do intend to, but when <laughs> I came out here the first time, we shot an episode of Dana White looking for a fight here, and myself... Matt, Sarah, and Laura Sanko went to a barbecue spot, and we 
had a field day. They filmed it, but however, that episode will probably never be aired, unfortunately. So I'm still trying to see if we can get that some of the footage from that episode because it was great. And I think all you guys will enjoy it. Look at you, man, talking about like uh, content creation, even though an episode is dormant, maybe that you could grab clips from there. Uh, how, how has it been the, the transition from just being uh, on the elite of the elite fighting platforms in the world, which is the UFC, to now just being an absolute savant in what you're doing as an analyst, as a radio host, and being a forthright voice for fighters? Uh, how was how that transition for you? It's the it's kind of the same, really. It's just different, uh, different platforms of of expressing myself. Because even as a fighter, I've always thought of myself as an artist, expressing myself. That was the way I always wanted to fight and just to be an artist. And now that I don't fight competitively or even train competitively, I try to take that same expression and put it into something else. So like now I'm behind the desk or on a podcast or creating content for my for my Instagram page or just doing whatever just YouTube channel so like I'm just expressing myself and I really feel like it's the same it's about being creative and just putting yourself out there without much judgment or limitations now you get thrown to on the big events that the UFC put on is it hard to express yourself in that 10 to 15 second clip when they throw to you all right, Dean, tell us about everything you see. Yeah, it is very hard because, because I'm trying to get a point out and I don't really have anybody to bounce the idea off of. So I have to try to get my point out in like 10 to 15 seconds while I'm still watching the action because if something happens in the action, I got to stop and you know maybe address that. But it's very difficult. It's not as easy as you would think it is to get your point across. And plus, like I might be thinking something before and then I go try to start saying it and then it something totally different happens. Like I was like, yeah, this guy's got a good right hand. Plap. <laughs> He's got a good chin. Whack. You know. <laughs> you know. So it's not it's not that easy, man. It's like I get I, I get put on the spot sometimes about that. I can barely get my order out at a drive-through, man. I don't know how you're describing what you've seen in like uh, the craziest sport in 15 seconds, but God bless you. You are doing an excellent job. Um, now, you were in Miami last week, as I mentioned, you're in Casey this week. Uh, does this mean you've kind of uh, taken back a role from coaching, like feet on the mat, or, or you're giving advice through text or through Zoom? Or are you still involved with uh, Fighters Fight Camps? No, well, so, you know, slowly but surely, I've always wanted to get out of, like, the physical aspect of it. I'm in Casey this time, actually, just as a coach. I'm not working in any capacity with the UFC, I'm just as a coach for Jillian Robertson. So I'm still very much involved in that sense. However, I still consult with different fighters. I still like some fighters send me their sparring and I'll go over it and consult with them and tell them little things, high level guys too. So like, it keeps me very in front of the game. I don't want to say with the game. I like to be in front of it because I like to create again i'm creative so i like to create things to get in front of the game and, and stay ahead of the curve in terms of information of mma i forget man uh again we're being joined by dean thomas on instagram and twitter jillian robinson uh, uh robertson uh, had that crazy uh rear naked choke victory when rogan screaming because she's getting eye poked from the back um is is it easy to put on a coach hat, analyst hat? Is it is it a mixture like a Venn diagram, a mixture of both? Uh, like, uh, is how, can you? No, it is. 
I, I do like the way you phrase that the Venn diagram because it is a Venn diagram. But being a coach, there's a lot more circles in the Venn diagram because it's, you know, there's the technical aspect, there's the tactical aspect, and then there's a the psychological aspect, which is probably the most difficult. And that's the one that you really kind of have to put a little bit more attention to because most fighters are, are pretty good. You know, most fighters are pretty talented, but psychologically they have a hard time getting it out there, hard time manifesting it because of nerves or expectations. So as a coach, you have to be that psychologist and you have to be able to try to get the best performance out of your athlete because, you know, and I always just tell my athletes now, my new thing to say to them now is, man, you, you owe it to yourself to put on a good performance because you train so hard and don't go out there and you let nerves stifle you. You owe it to yourself to put on a good performance. So like that's that's where I'm at right now with most of my athletes now, just have, trying to get them to, to just perform to their ability. Because I think as a coach, I might attract a certain type of fighter. I might attract the fighters that are, you know, really good, but have performance anxiety. And I don't know why I attract that type of fighter, but I've seen, I tend to always have them guys that, Man, I just I can't pull the trigger. I'm overthinking, and I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I just had a, I just had a guy just uh, message me now. A guy who fought in the UFC last week sent that message to me today. I couldn't pull the trigger, man. I was overthinking. Help. <laughs> Is he on the main card? No, he was not on the main card. Okay, I was trying to figure this one yeah, out. Yeah, was not on the main card. So much freaking elite talent that rolls through the AT and T doors, man. It's um. Well, I'm not, and we'll see, like, this is where I'm blessed. I mean, I was blessed to be there and have so much and get so much experience that I did and have so many high level fighters. But now, uh, since I left ATT, I'm like, oh I'm strike two on my part. No, 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 no worries. No worries. Not a lot of people even know. But since I left ATT, I actually opened myself up to everybody. So I have a lot of, a lot of different athletes. I still work with some people that, uh, we're at, we're at ATT, but I work with people from all over. So, I mean, it just, it's a, it's more of a blessing for me that I don't put myself in a box to just work with a certain group of fighters. Amazing. Is, is there any um, common uh, denominator between what you've seen a successful fighter on fight night? Are they, uh, are they in control of fight week or are you leading the way and they're just following it and then they just step in there and execute the game plan? Uh, do you have any, have you seen or figured out any common denominator between the successful fighters on fight night and maybe someone who just, they weren't on that night uh, kind of going back. I'm listening to the, the Sanhagen and Vera podcast, uh, uh, Corey Sanhagen on, on Joe Rogan talking about the Vera fight and it just seemed like Vera wasn't pulling the trigger. And then Sanhagen noticed that Sanhagen seemed like he had an outer body experience and he's just trying to replicate that early, a uh, couple of fights prior, he was mentioned that he was trying to trigger like a war and anger, a rage and finding success with that. But then after the, the Jan fight and um, the Dillashaw fight in which he lo both lost, he said that, yeah, the anger, it, it's hard to sustain that. And he's trying to find something to rinse and repeat. In your opinion, is there something that is uh, something that can be rinsed and repeat, uh, something common from the successful fighters? And that's the weird part about the fight game is that, and I remember talking to Tiago Alves about this a long time ago, is it yeah, you never Tiago. really... Yeah, you're never really the same. Like you're always evolving, you're always changing. You don't really know it until like you have a wake up call. Sometimes it's a loss. And 
But the one thing that I do know, I can't really put a finger on what it is that makes them successful, but I can tell you what I do know, what I know a fighter is going to lose is when they start complaining about things that don't matter. Hmm. They're already making excuses. They're already in the back, like, oh, it's cold back here. Or it's that and the third and that. <laughs> and I'm always like, and, and whenever my, my fighters are doing that, I'm like, Damn, I might, well just, <laughs> Damn. I might as well just I might as well just go home now, right? I might as well just go home now because like you are not going to win. And the first sign of trouble that you get into, you're gonna start making excuses, and you've already made started opening up Pandora's box of excuses in life, and now you're gonna carry that over to the fight. So I do know that, and it's tough sometimes, and that's why it's like predicting fights is really hard. Like people think, oh man, you you know, you study fights and so you should be able to predict fights, but I can't predict the the mentality that they're going in like i can't you can't like that's something that's unknown like for me like cyril gone for example he fought john jones do i think cyril gone could beat john jones probably like in the room like if they were in the room together cyril gone has what it takes to beat john jones i think i really believe he does but put him in an octagon with tom brady and mark Wahlberg under these big lights let him sit in that tunnel for a little, you know what I'm saying? It's going to freak him out. It freaked him out. And he's going to say, oh, shit. Yes. And it's like, and he's going to say, get me out of here as fast as I can, because this is uncomfortable. And those are the things that you can't predict. So the only thing that I can say in terms of training, like with like Corey Sanhagen, I always wanted to work with him, by the way, but like with Corey Sanhagen is that you have to train your mind and your body together throughout camp so that on fight night it's pretty much the same that it was throughout camp interesting so like so because you want some you want a semblance of consistency and this is one thing i've always especially in like bigger bigger camps this is one thing i never liked about bigger camps because in like bigger camps right MMA practice starts. It's this big room full of guys. Everybody runs around. It does. They do the warm up. They run around, and then everybody spars. And there's a big room of guys. You're watching out for guys. And you can't really spar realistically. Then on fight night, it's completely different. Fight night, you're by yourself, and you do a different warm up, and you. It's real, and it's nothing like what you've done in training. So now you've just taken away the connection of what you've trained to what you're actually going to do. So the reality is, is that if you want some consistency and want to be able to rely on that consistency, you have to train in the same mental space that you would on fight night. And that is warm up the same way, do a similar warm up. get, you know, when you're doing your sparring, it should be just two people at a time. That's how they do it in boxing. It's not a big, you know, they're in the ring and it's just, that's it. It's not this big room of guys brawling. So you want to have that level of consistency. So when a fight comes, you have some familiarity that you can go back on and say, okay, I've, I know what this feels like. Let's go. Well, piecing this all together, you're talking about the fight camp executing on fight night. Talking about are is the best fighters idiots? Or are they cerebral? Or excuse me, <laughs> the, the, the best fighters are cerebral. Worst fighters may not. Yeah, worst fighters so much. are absolutely idiots. No, you say it. They're idiots. <laughs> Israel Adesanya, maybe on from uh, a casual perspective, they think that he shelled up through an overhand like an idiot. This guy has absolutely no idea what he's doing. He was being closed in. It was a survival tactic. He's facing a fourth loss to 
Alex Pajeda, in my opinion, super genius, super high level. He was looking through his wrist, his forearms, very calm, composed when he was pushed against the fence, completely cerebral, got it done. Was it was it just life or death for Izzy at that point to lose to a fourth time to the same man, to have get taunted by his son again, to be in a wide arena with thousands and thousands of fans? Was it just life or death for Izzy at that point? It was, and it was very honorable too. Like I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> like I lost to one guy twice and I was like, I don't want to fight him a third time because if he beats me again, that's a wrap. Like I, now I know I have to really just, cause in my head, it's just easier to believe that, you know, if we fought again, I would beat him. So I, I, I live my life thinking that if we fought again, I would win. So Izzy to take this fourth time against Alex was brave. It's courageous. And it's, it's crazy. And the fact that he won now he can, tell himself that he's the better fighter and he doesn't have to do it again. And now he can say this chapter is closed because I don't ever want to do this again. I got my win. I'm good with that. And he's done. I think he's, he's kind of expressed that, but it was a, for sure a life death situation for Izzy in terms. I mean, I, that's hyperbole, but it's, it was a very important moment for Izzy and something that I admire him for, because like I said, I wouldn't have done it. I don't know a lot of fighters that would have done that, especially at that level, like to fight at that level with the world stage watching and for him to aggressively attack the moment and the way he did it. And for those of you who think that that was a Hail Mary punch, you are out of your mind. I mean, is he brilliantly to me? I felt like that was complete bait to just like, I mean, if, if I'm up on you three, nothing and I'm about to, and I, and I'm teeing off on you, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking it just is over. I'm going to let my guard down a little bit. And I think that's exactly what Izzy did. said, he's going to let his guard down. Watch this. Bap. And it, it worked for him, man. I mean, Izzy was brilliant that night. I, I know Pajana doesn't. I mean, people have made like the memes or the side by side where he looks like the like the famous stones on like some foreign island where he just doesn't yeah, smile. Those, those Easter stones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he just doesn't seem like, yeah, he's got any Easter emotion. Island, yeah. Maybe he was just just relaxed, too relaxed. Is he like, man, he was it was life or death, in my opinion. And I'm trying not to get a third strike against you here. Uh, I screwed up where you're training at. I screwed up why you're in KC. I, I'm trying to uh, uh, try to get a single or a double. On, nah, no, on. man, trust me, man. Sometimes I can't remember what I'm doing. So don't even worry about it, man. I'm I'm all over the place. I never expect anybody. In fact, like if you knew all this stuff about me, I would feel like I'm failing <laughs> because I need to be I need to be everywhere in as many places I can be. So people can't never get put a finger on me. Or, yeah, now that I think about it, if I knew all this, you might be, like, creeped out. I'm like, yeah, Dean, this yeah. actually isn't recorded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just knocking on the hotel room. <laughs> yeah, like, whoa, Ike, <laughs> take it easy. <laughs> um, So, like I said, I'm not trying to piss you off here. But in my humble opinion, man, it's one piece in MMA. Is he got standing TKO'd? Alex got flatline knocked out. I think if you do the six month suspension for Alex, two months later, you're at MSG again. I don't know if Izzy like uh, subconsciously was doing this. He was saying like Izzy uh, Bambale. He was like quoting the Ali uh, chant. He was making references to the Frazier and Foreman. I was like, is this guy like, is he setting up the MSG to be in the, the hallways of MSG? Pajeda, 
Adesanya. I was like, how does everybody not want to see this trilogy? I mean, you know, I don't think that either guy really wants it that bad, to be honest with you. I, you know, because I think they're, I think they're content with the, with the result. I think that Alex at the end of the day, like, of course, getting knocked out sucked. I think at the end of the day, he's like, man, I beat this guy three times. He was due for a win. I'm tired of cutting 185 pounds to cut to 185 pounds. You know what? I'm just going to go. I think he's content with that. I think he's content with still having the more wins than Izzy does. And Izzy's like content with <laughs> knocking him out and then, you know, roasting his son, right? Roasting Alex's son. I think he's content with that. So I think that like both guys right now can walk away and say, okay, I'm all right. Shake hands and say, listen, we, we had our moment. We had our rivalry. It was great, man. It's time to move on. I really believe that both of them can walk away. Um, I think if the UFC really wants it to happen, they they can make it happen. I, th- I don't think they're scared of each other, but I just think they're content with walking away. Am I trying to, am I doing my, my uh, a bad impression of Mr. Josh Cohen at the presser? Am I trying to stir something that's not there? Am I trying to see a Pajeda, just see that clip over and over where Izzy just falls down emulating Pajeda's son? Like, am I trying to stir this up? Is Pajeda, stoic as ever, is like, I wouldn't do that. That's all he said about that. I was like, come on, Alex, give me something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? Like, I, you know, Alex is a stoic guy. He's a very serious dude. And um, I don't know how he felt about it. I know for me, I didn't, you know, I love Izzy, man. I think Izzy is brilliant. I love him. I don't, I don't agree with what he did. I thought that was like extremely petty. I mean, it was something that a six-year-old did six years ago. And like, he, he held on to that for a long time. So like, listen, I don't agree with what he did. He did it. You know, and now I'm just like, all right, move on, man. I really you know thought about it. You remember when Prahana did like the Sonic the Hedgehog thing to when he knocked out Izzy in kickboxing? He like uh-huh. ran, o- stood over. I was like, I was like, yeah, I can't get mad at Izzy with the arrows and the kid. I was like, Alex didn't do it. You know, the Pajadas did do it to Izzy. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, when you win a fight, like I, I give you, you can do whatever you want, right? Like, cause you trained really hard. You, I mean, I wouldn't have done it. At least I say I wouldn't have. I don't necessarily agree with it. But listen, I'm not going to get on Izzy's case for doing it. I'm not going to say he's a bad guy. I'm like, listen, he's the one who got beat up by this guy three times. He's the one who had to live with that. He's the one who put his 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 balls on the line for this fight. He's the one who did all that stuff. So however he wants to celebrate, let him have it. I agree. I agree. The great at Dean Thomas, Instagram and Twitter. Man of many hats. Right now he's in Kansas City, cornering Jillian Robertson. She will get the win. Spoiler alert: with Dean in her corner, it's it's just uh, it's just written in stone already, or whatever. I'm a little off. <laughs> My son took a major crap before this, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Dean, my last thing: what fight for the rest of the year? Main event, co-main, main card fight that you're just extremely hyped for. You you got to be locked into the analyst desk, or you got to be locked in at home for um wow that's a good question what fights do we have coming up i mean obviously i don't know that's why i'm asking i think yeah i I think i think there's i think there's a couple of them i mean obviously you know the the cliche go-to answer would be for john jones to come back and fight steep a i think that would be obviously the the answer that we all we all kind of want to see um you know anything about that i have no i I know nothing about that right i know nothing about that (laughs) 
I mean, I'm looking forward to watching Aljamain Sterling and Henry Cejudo. That's that's a that's a great fight between two guys that are you know creating a legacy for themselves. Are the haters gonna say, yeah, but Cejudo, you know, he was retired. Dillashaw with the shoulder, the knee with Jan. I feel like yeah, Aljo is like the uncrowned king. He can't. He, yeah, he can't. Aljo can't get any respect. But this is a fight where he can. He can finally get some respect because I mean, there's no excuses if he if he wins this fight. There's no way to downplay it if he wins this fight. And then one fight that I'm kind of looking forward to as well, and that's just because two fights actually. I'm gonna go with two. One would be uh, Paula Costa and Hamzat if that does happen. I think that uh, just because of the buildup of that, like I think I think Hamzat's gonna just absolutely destroy him. He's gonna murder him. But I think that the the buildup to that will be fun. You know, the trash talk and you know just the silliness that these guys are going to do because you know both of them are very entertaining and then the last one and it's for the same exact reason because the fight is going to be terrible for the same exact reason it's the build-up <laughs> that is jake paul and nate diaz oh, how can man. you how can you not want to see the build-up to that so like those are my those are my top fights that i want to see this year amazing dean i really appreciate the time safe travels and uh, as I said about 15, 20 minutes ago, I really appreciate you. You are a savant in everything you do, my man. Like you're just super special for the sport and always happy when I could share a couple minutes with you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Dean's the man. If you didn't know that, now you know that. Hashtag IYKYK. If you know, you know. Dean Thomas is the man. There's a reason why Dana White and Matt Sarah are extremely cool and associate with Dean Thomas, not only because of the way he carries himself, but because he's just an absolute cool dude, just rolls with the punches. There, nothing you say, nothing you can say will frazzle Dean. It's just cool customer. I absolute appreciate him and what he does and contributes to my favorite sport, my favorite fight league. Dean is the man. I just can't gush enough about how much respect I have for Dean and what he does for mixed martial arts. As a coach, a fighter, spokesperson, host, it's just incredible. Extremely talented in many facets of his life. But as mentioned with Dean, UFC 287 was in Miami. He was in Miami. I was in Miami. The atmosphere was incredible. The former president was in the building, escorted out alongside kid freaking rock bar with the bar, the bang, the bang, diggy, diggy, diggy. Mike Tyson, they were all sitting next to each other. Incredible event. The main event, Israel Adesanya just flatlines Alex Pajeda. I'm a big fan of Alex Pajeda. Also a big fan of Israel Adesanya. I had the opportunity to ask Israel Adesanya a couple of questions in the post-fight press conference. Go check that out. It's on many, many YouTube pages. The co-main event, a lot of people will see it as boring. In my opinion, it was a cherry on top of a wonderful career. And almost a microcosm for one Jorge Game Red Masvidal's career. And the fact that it was in Miami where he started his fighting career, where he's from, born and raised, where he used to fight in the backgrounds. 
And it went the distance. Seemed like he won a round. He was in it. He was not giving up. Landed heavy leg kicks. Showing a lot of heart. You could see just the adrenaline oozing out of him. A very outer body experience. Seemed like he was like, holy moly, this is happening. UFC in Miami on the co-man event, this is happening. But that fight was a microcosm for his career. Close, but no cigar. I'm sure he's smoking Cubans, though. Jorge Masvidal is one of the greatest fighters to not hold a UFC undisputed title. Put up there, Dustin Poirier. Put up there, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. It's it's the fight game, and Jorge, better than 99.9% of anybody, knows that. And he just, he showed a lot of love and respect to the game, to the crowd, to the city. And it was very apropos, and I appreciate Jorge. I really do. 2019's one of the craziest years for one single fighter. The resurrection, as Jorge put it. Knocking out Darren Till in London. Oh my goodness. Knocking out Ben Askren. Main card, UFC 239. In five seconds, fastest knockout in UFC history. Headlining the greatest combat sports arena in the world, Madison Square Garden, UFC 244, against none other than Nate Diaz. Incredible, incredible, incredible. That year just will have a ripple effect forever. Jorge will never be out of work. Jorge will never have to pay for a drink, though he has his own liquor line. He'll never have to pay for a drink. I appreciate the man. I respect the man. I saw his last fight before the resurrection against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, UFC 217. And now I see the last fight of his career. So, though I did not see the resurrection, I was overseas for a trip. I do appreciate Jorge. And, man, I appreciate the rest of the Warriors, the UFC 287 Warriors. Kelvin Gastelum, Chris Curtis, absolute banger. A boxing chess match. Heavy body shots. Huge overhand shots. Who won? Was it a draw? Very, very close fight. One of the best fights of the year so far, no doubt. There was no question why that fight was the main fight leading into the pay-per-view that I'm sure might have swooped in a hundred thousand more pay-per-views because of the performance of Kelvin Gaslam and Chris Curtis following that fight that wonderful fight which had the crowd rocking Raul Rosas learned a valuable lesson against Christian Rodriguez that we are all human and you must learn from losses. It's win or learn, and he will learn. He's 18, and he's already been on his second UFC pay-per-view card. I have no doubt that Raul Rosas will be back and better. 
just like Adrian Giannis. Adrian Giannis was on a skyrocket to the top. I had a feeling that Rob Font was going to win simply because of the magnitude that it meant to Rob and the experience that he's had, big-time experience, main event of Fight Night Cards, fighting against Marlon Vera, Jose Aldo, going five rounds with those killers. This was the biggest win of Rob Font's career, absolute no doubt. It might be the last biggest win of Rob Font's career. Adrian Giannis will learn from this. He will be fighting for a title within a couple of years. But this was a moment where he can learn about how he felt on this major fight week, maybe the extra media obligations being pulled in more directions on a major fight card, fighting just below Jorge Mazadal's fight. Adrian Giannis will learn from this and will be better from this. Absolutely no doubt. And I hope you guys learn from this episode. Speaking with the great Dean Thomas. Obviously, I appreciate it. I hope you guys can follow Dean on Instagram and Twitter. At Dean Thomas. He is the man. He's an absolute savant in everything that he puts his focus into. I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Your boy is out. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.